Max. And this is the podcast where we tell each other stories. Yeah. And it also, is. you're here. You're here. Congratulations wow. and welcome. Hello. So every week we find stories, fairy tales, folk tales, any other kind of tales, and we tell them to each other. And <laughs> it's a good time. And this podcast, anyone who tells you otherwise is a liar. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Who the fuck are they? Huh? What have they done with their life? Do they have a podcast? I don't think so. Also, we use bad words, and there's oftentimes oh. gore in our stories. So just a warning, this podcast is not for kids. I think that saying the reason why it's not for kids is because we use bad words, and sometimes our stories are gory, is extremely misleading. We say the word butthole, and we talk about, like, dicks a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> we are a low-brow team. <laughs> yes. And, and if you want your kids to be smart... <laughs> play them fucking Mozart. Mozart for babies. <laughs> yeah, play them baby Einstein music. <laughs> My parents do listen to this podcast, which Aww. is thrilling. They are the best. <laughs> I love Hi, your parents. Mom, I dad love you. <laughs> I love your parents. Do we have any news this week? Uh, I renamed your mom Starbro last night when we were a little tipsy, and I like it. <laughs> yeah, Barbara's a star. Starbra. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael, hold on. Smilekel. Smilekel. That's the only thing I can think of. You know, Michael. Michael. Mike, I'm gonna think of a new one for you. Okay, it's gonna be just as good as Starbro. I promise. (laughs) Well, I'm really excited about my stories this week. Do you want to just go ahead and get into it? I think you're going first this week. Yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. I am excited for your story this week, and also I'm excited for my story. And let's just do it. (laughs) This is a super exciting podcast. Oh, okay. So much fun. Yeah. Okay, but you know what? No matter what, it can't be worse than last week's episode. That's true. Nothing was worse than that. Uh, editing that was a fucking nightmare because there's no thread. No, it's you just You would think us- the stories would hold us together? They don't. No, we're just guffawing the entire time. It's Yeah, it's like, it's like a seagull screeching as it flies away. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's really weird. A seagull with an evil play. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let me just go ahead and jump into it. Yeah, tell me a story. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? You could... I immediately felt bad. <laughs> because you don't like the word bitch, but I love the word bitch. It's <laughs> trying to do it for you, but... Okay, thank you. All right, Max. Okay, Janie. Uh, I bought a new book called... I saw. Folk Tales of Egypt. I like that bird on the cover. It is a beautiful oh, cover. Oh, no, it's a snake. Or is it a bird? <laughs> It could go either way. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful book. It's edited and translated by Hassan M. El-Shami. And the foreword is by Richard M. Dorson. And they worked very closely together. And I'll tell you all about him at the end. But basically, this book is a collection of stories that they started to collect in the 60s when they found out that they had some recorded Egyptian folk tales but not a whole lot, and there wasn't a whole lot of interest in collecting and storing them. What are you? Preserving them at the time. And so Hassan and El-Shami was like, I gotta I gotta do that. That's my whole shit. <laughs> so they went around. Nice. He and his colleagues went around, and they recorded people, and they talked to their friends and their families and their students and, like, anybody who would talk to them. And then some of them, like, gave them, like, books from their personal collections at home or, like, handwritten stories from their relatives. It's, like, super cool. That's very cool. And these are the ones that are in here. I always think it's really cool. I I feel like in the U.S. when we talked about, like, I don't know about you, but I learned about, like, 
the the concept of like ancient Egypt in school and everything like that. We talked about like the ancient Egyptian gods and stuff like that. The pharaohs and that's yeah. it. Yeah. And we also, we talked about like Greek and Roman mythology as well. And that was mm-hmm. kind of as far as we got into mythology. And it was also pretty much as far as we got into either of those cultures. Yeah. And there's nothing new or updated. So I think it's really cool. I don't know how much this is involved in like the concept of ancient Egyptian, like the polytheistic ancient Egyptian mm-hmm. religion. But I always think it's cool when we have these societies and these folklores that we know a little bit about from antiquity. Yes. And which we, like, there are new stories. And I always think it's, like, I have um, that collection of stories from Greece. Greece. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that, actually. Yeah. And I I picked it up being like, oh, Greek fairy tales probably has a lot of things to do with the Greek gods. Absolutely nothing to do with them. Doesn't even mention them. It's very, very cool. I I think it's really cool when we get that multidimensional view of, like, what a society is and how they... Evolve. Yeah, how they evolve, how their beliefs and at the risk of sounding condescending superstitions and things like that, how they evolve over time. And I think it's really cool to see that. Well, this one also, Richard M. Dorson, in his foreword, he makes a specific note of saying, for a long time, for 3,000 years, is how we consider, like, ancient Egypt. There's a 3,000-year period where there are, like, all of what we know about Egypt, right? That's the gods. That's the pyramids. And that's, yeah, that's the setting of all the movies. Yeah, the Anubis, Osiris. But then they had so many people come in and conquer, and eventually they were turned into an Arab like society, and it was completely different. It was like 180 degrees different than what the ancient Egyptians were. So what we see now in Egypt is a bunch of like you know primarily Arabic speaking, and there's many dialects and there's other languages in there as well. But like that's what we have now, and so the stories that you're going to hear in like this book, there's a lot of religious ideology, and there's a lot of you know, very specific cultural and societal views that are fairly modern. And this was made in the 60s. This was written in the 60s. I mean, all these stories were told in the 60s. They're old stories, but not as old as ancient Egypt. Mm -hmm. But it is really cool to see that difference. And I was thinking that the entire time, as soon as he said, like, when you look at ancient Egypt, you're not looking at current Egypt. Yeah, I also, I did a um, a research project in college. I took a course on um, Egyptian art history and like, which ended up being like the history of ancient Egypt and things like that. Mm-hmm. And one of the papers that I wrote was on in Northern Egypt, the overlap with like Greek and Roman, like Northern Egypt was conquered a half dozen times by Greek and Roman conquerors. Um, and so they have a bunch of overlap where they have stories that moved south into Egypt. And some of them are like the same Greek and Roman myths that are reskinned mm-hmm. to match up more with the Egyptian religion and stuff like yeah. that. But one of the things that is really interesting is that the god Dionysus yeah. made his way into northern Egypt as like a figure in the Egyptian pantheon at the same time that he was like growing as a figure in Greek and Roman mythology. So it was kind of he, Dionysus or Bacchus as a god, was a little bit of like a collaborative effort between Egyptian and Greek and Roman well, that's how you see it in the story of Isis and Ianthe. You yeah, know, like exactly. the goddess Isis and Bastet makes an appearance. And it's just really cool. Anubis is in cool. that, that tale. I just and love... it is still a Greek tale. Mm-hmm. I just love is... folklore. Oh my god, I just love <laughs> it! <Take. laughs> Alright, so with all of that, this story is wild. I made a lot of noises when I was reading it. <laughs> uh, Mooch Max heard from the other room and asked me, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I just kept hearing... <gasps> No. What? (laughs) I literally, I closed the book and went, what? (laughs) What did I just read? Uh, So this is called The Royal Candlestick. (laughs) Good luck, Max. All right. There once was a merchant, and he only had one son, and he spoiled him fucking rotten. (laughs) 
this fucking rich kid, every day, his dad gave him 50 pounds or 25 pounds, right? One or the other. And he said, spend, son. And when you have finished, come back to me for more. <laughs> That's like every day for this kid's life. Must so he'd be go fucking out, nice. Must be <laughs> fucking nice. And so he'd go out and he'd spend his like 50 pounds or 25 pounds. They just kept like mentioning that it was either 50 or 25. And I'm like, that's a big difference though. <laughs> and one day... The boy went to his father and he says, give me 100 pounds, papa, <laughs> and I'll go out and I'm going to start my own trade. I can't be here forever just living off your money. So give me your money. <laughs> I'm gonna, I need a small loan so I can start my billion dollar business, <laughs> papa. Also, though, if he's giving you 50 pounds each day. Don't spend that. Just wait four days, even at the minimum of 25 pounds mm-hmm. per day. Over four days, you will get the 100 pounds. Can't do it. He wants 100 up he, front. He's already spent it all. He doesn't understand the concept of savings. <laughs> Nothing. And so his father is like, hey, what could you possibly be missing out on? I give you everything. Why do you want to leave? And like, what do you mean start your own business? Doing what, you idiot? No, I take care of you forever. You're my baby. I'm, Dad, you have to let me go. I want to start a podcast. Please! <laughs> Everybody's going to love it! Uh, so the son tells him, like, no, I have to go and start my own trade. So his father very reluctantly gives him 100 pounds. And his mother gives him a necklace. And she tells him... And it weighs 100 pounds. <laughs> and it weighs 100 pounds. And she's like, this is going to help you get jacked, son. Um, so anytime, she says, anytime you need money... Take it out of this necklace. Mysterious. Mm-hmm. That's all he needs is a money necklace, right? He doesn't have enough. <coughs> if he's getting the money necklace, why give him the hundred? Nope. You know what? Okay. The economic affairs of rich people are... Yeah, it's beyond us. Beyond us. <laughs> so the young man, he set out into the world with 100 pounds in his pocket and a dream in his heart and also that fancy necklace. <laughs> um, and he immediately spends the entire sum in a single day. He gives away 100 pounds to the poor. He doesn't even buy anything. He's like, I'm being nice. Here, everyone take this. I'm so liked and loved and I'm great. And then at the end of the day, he's like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, that was all my money. Aw, man. <laughs> so basically, he started a failed nonprofit. <laughs> he did. You're telling me. It reminded me of the Chinese story I told where the ending was just like, hey, being charitable is nice, but if you're a fucking idiot, then you're just going to be another person that people have to take care of. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. Yikes. Yeah, so that's, that's this guy. After he runs out of money, he thinks to himself, well, I'm dumb. <laughs> oh, He says, I can't go back to my dad. I... I just got that money. Now it's all gone. So I guess I'd be better off running away. And so he starts to walk along the bank of a river and he sees a fisherman. And he tells the fisherman, cast your net once for me to see my luck. And the fisherman's like, okay. And he casts out his net and he pulls it back and there's nothing in it. (laughs) Except for a single little box. Ooh. Yes. It's a small brass box. And so the young man, he reaches for it. But the fisherman... Is like, I'm not going to just give you the box. What do you think this is? It's <laughs> like, no, you can't have the box. And the kid's like, I want it, though. And he's like, okay, 100 pounds. And he's like, I don't have 100 pounds anymore. <laughs> and then he, like, looks down at the necklace and he's like, I have this necklace. No, you idiot. And the you fisherman- dumb, dumb child. <laughs> and the fisherman says, all right, give me the necklace. And he goes... Okay. Oh, this is just the Egyptian golden goose. That was the first time I screamed. I was like, no! (laughs) Don't give him the necklace! Take money out of the necklace, which is what the necklace does! Listen to your mom! (laughs) And so he gives him the necklace, and he gets this stupid little brass box, and then he uh, sets out on his way. 
So the boy walks and walks and he walks. He's far away from other people eventually, and then he realizes, oh, he hungry. <laughs> oh, he's hungry. Did he open the box? No. What? He's forgotten about the box. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> so he's in complete isolation. There's no people or food anywhere near him. And he also has no money. So like, even if there were, he wouldn't be able to get any food. And so he decides at this point, I might as well open the box. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like... I'm just going to imagine him as a goldfish. That's the only way I can... <laughs> He's a big, dumb goldfish with human legs. no object permanence whatsoever. <laughs> he has two brain cells, and they are knocking against each other. Constantly. Uh, <laughs> it, must be, it must be horrible to live in his head. <laughs> so he opens his box to see if there's, like, a hot dog or something in there. <laughs> and then to his amazement, Max, there wasn't. <laughs> what? No, there's no hot dog in that box. Is there a burger? It's, there's a burger! Is there... No. Oh. Instead, no. There's a tiny <laughs> little man in the box. Oh. The tiny... And he eats. To eat? <laughs> to eat. And then he pops the man in his mouth. Yum, like, yum, yum. No. Okay. The man bows and says, hi. <laughs> it's me. I'm at your command. That's my tiny man voice. And the boy like says. there's a tiny man in here right now. I, there is. <laughs> the boy says, oh. Uh, you're at my command. What does that mean? And the little man says, ask for something and find out, dummy. <laughs> He's like, okay, I'm hungry. <laughs> and so the man says, okay, close your eyes. And he closes his eyes. When he opens them again, the he little man is gone. <laughs> <laughs> and he's taken his wallet, <laughs> which has nothing in there but his ID. Oh. Anyway. It's so, in the Astro Blaze, too. It is. 100%. <laughs> Now that little man can drink in bars. <laughs> okay, so he's when he opens his eyes, he sees a huge feast table laid out before him. And he sits down and he eats. And when he's done, he folds the table, he puts away the things, and he takes his box and he leaves. He continues walking until he comes to a different country entirely. And at the edge of the town that he finds himself in, there's this huge castle. And all the walls are made from human skulls. Anyway, so he keeps walking. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he asks all these people, like every person he says, he's like, hi, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> oh, those, there's a bunch of skulls on that wall. Uh, why? <laughs> and no one will answer him. So eventually he comes upon a tobacco seller and he says like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> you going to smoke me out, bro? Hmm? <laughs> and the uh, tobacco seller says, Ask that old woman over there. And he just points to a random old woman, right? And he's like, she'll talk. And then there's a note in the story. Because remember, these are all told firsthand. Like, they basically write them almost in transcripts. So you have little asides from the people telling the story. And you also have a lot of, like, directly translated Arabic sayings that I don't think translate well in our language. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's got to be an equivalent to that, right? <laughs> I have a couple. But this is the note. When the tobacco seller says, ask that old woman over there, it says, of course, quote, old women are catastrophes. And then it says in brackets, i.e. extremely sly. I'm like, old women are catastrophes. <laughs> God, I can't wait until I'm old and I get to I be know. a catastrophe. Oh my God. I just, that should be, I just want a sweater that just says catastrophe on it. God, I want that so bad. Mm -hmm. Look on our merch store. Maybe it'll be up by the time this episode comes out. Because I like that idea. I want a muscle tank that says catastrophe. Yeah. I want it in, like, the co the college letters. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you went to Catastrophe University. <laughs> See you. Catastroversity. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he asks this catastrophe what's going on. And she tells him that the king has a beautiful daughter who does not speak and never has. Tell me what you think about this description of this girl. She's never spoken. Um, 
Actually, that's the only one. <laughs> so the oh. king has promised. I <laughs> she think, sounds quiet. <laughs> she sounds quiet, but she's never like she's nonverbal. She's completely nonverbal. That's her whole thing. A lot of the way, like this story. Again, this is an older story, and they're like this. Like princess is a freak, and she needs to be fixed. And I'm like, this princess just sounds a little bit neurodivergent. <laughs> like I don't know, man. So the king has promised her hand in marriage to any man who can spend three days with her and make her talk. And there are no rules to this. Oh, God. Yeah. If they fail, however, they get their head cut off and they add to the decor. And so the boy, he leaves this old woman. He pulls out his magic box and he asks his tiny butler, uh, (laughs) could you make the princess speak? And tiny butler is like, I sure can. (laughs) Just put me under the candlestick when you get to the palace. (laughs) And so the boy goes to the king and he's like, this is the quote. The boy goes to the king and says, quote, I'm asking closeness to you. And I'm like, there has to be an equivalent. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, that's a direct translation. I'm sure of a beautiful phrase that makes sense in Arabic. But I'm asking closeness to you is not something that we would ever say to a king. Yeah. Hey, can I just close? (laughs) Can I be close to you? (laughs) Hey, little mama. Let me me whisper in your ear. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that to a king. So I guess I owe them an apology. Um, So the king immediately tries to talk him out of this. He's like, you're too young. You have your whole life ahead of you. You have a lot of life left in you right now. This is a crazy scheme. Boy, get out of here. But the boy (laughs) insists. And so the king fetches a judge who writes up a contract, which the boy signs. And then the king puts his royal seal in it. And I have to to pay attention to all this bureaucracy. (laughs) Come on. I did appreciate, like, the finality of a good contract. I was like, good, protect your assets, king. Also, you have to fill out auxiliary form uh, 40C, Mm -hmm. parts one and two, but you have to leave part three blank. And then uh, part four, you need your signature and the signature of a guarantor. And if you are part of a a nonprofit under code 503 parentheses B, then you're going to have to go to a completely different form. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so bing, bang, boom, the boy's introduced to the princess. (laughs) So before he says hi, he places the box under the candlestick. And he says, my lady, daughter of kings. To which she replied, Sure, because she... Uh, she doesn't talk. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Why would he say anything? <laughs> sure, sure, so sure. <laughs> he went to the candlestick. And so eventually he's like, fine, if you're not going to talk to me. And he goes to the candlestick and he says, peace be upon you, royal candlestick. Maybe you'll be more interesting than this dud over here. What do you have to say? And the candlestick responds, and upon you be God's peace and mercy, son of kings. And then the candlestick tells him a story. <laughs> And no, but there's a bunch of judges in the room and they all just get to hear the candlestick tell a story. So the candlestick mm. tells them the story. Once there were three brothers. I know you want me to do the candlestick's awesome voice through this story, but mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. Can you do a French accent? Ah ha ha. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Once there were three brothers who all wanted to marry their cousin. They lived oh. in Alabama where it was legal. <laughs> Uh, They couldn't decide among them who would get to marry their cousin. So the people in their country decided that they should all go out. (laughs) They should all just get the fuck out of here. What the fuck's wrong with you? And they were chased away with sticks. Yeah. Is it like a bachelor situation? Bachelorette? Where they all have to, like, prove themselves to her? I think it's more of, like, well, I'll let you hear so the people of the country say, everybody go out, and then whoever brings back the coolest shit will win her as a bride. And so one goes down the road of no return. They find <laughs> the spring of the water of life, and he takes them. And then 
can't go back. <laughs> Don't worry <laughs> about it. <laughs> One goes down the road of safety, and he finds a magic flying carpet. Hurrah! And the third goes down the road of sorrow and finds a mirror. And at first he's like, wow, this is such a beautiful picture. She's going to love this. And then he realizes that as a bonus, this mirror also shows you anything you want to see. <laughs> this mirror is TV. I love the idea of going down the road of sorrow and then seeing a mirror. That feels like a cosmic burn. That's like, <laughs> Fuck you, you nerd! You want to see something fucking sad? Look in a mirror. <laughs> and this is the road of laughter. And it's just another mirror. And they're like, you fucking joke. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like this is the road of how much your mom cares about you and it's just a long empty road <laughs> nothing there <laughs> this is the road of all the men your mom is fucked and it's just like what the fuck is wrong with these why roads? are these roads so personal <laughs> these, these roads fucking hate me <laughs> I have to move. <laughs> so you go, sorry, you go down the road of go fuck yourself, and you walk a ways, and then you're like, oh, another mirror, but it's another you, and he just starts running towards you. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, yeah, we got to move to a different uh, neighborhood. <laughs> this one's dangerous. So the these roads ain't safe. <laughs> Hey, be careful out there. <laughs> so all three of the brothers, they start to go back home and they meet on the same road eventually. And the one with the mirror says, our cousin is dying. Our beautiful, sexy cousin that we all want to bone is dying. And then the one with the carpet says, everybody hop on, let's go save her. And then they get there just in time. And the one that has the water of life dribbles it into her mouth. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then uh, they save her life. And so the candlestick asks the question, which one should be allowed to marry her? Do you have an answer? What do you think? Uh, I she has to marry question. a cousin. So no, you get to choose the cousin. <laughs> it's like a fairy tale. Well, see, I my question is, the cousin who brought the water of life mm -hmm. went down the road of no return. How to get back? On the magic flying carpet. You need to keep up. <laughs> what? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> hmm. Well, the one on the road of no return is a dummy. Because how was he planning on getting back? Okay, but he did. And he saved her life with the water. I'm going to say it's the one who's willing to go down the road of sorrow. <laughs> okay, that's the one with the... Mirror? Mirror. Yeah. Okay. I think. Just based purely on the roads alone and his decision-making skills, he's like, I'm willing to handle a little sorrow if it means I get to be with the woman I care about. I'm a little bummed out that none of these roads seem to correspond with the gifts at all. No. The one on the road of safety finds a flying carpet. That's the least safe thing you could <laughs> thrive on. <laughs> the number of OSHA regulations that are associated with flying carpets is... Can't have them. So uh, at this point... Okay, so the candlestick asks the boy which one should be allowed to marry her. And he disagrees with you fervently. He says, the one that... It's like, it's obvious. The one who actually saved her life with the water should be the one to marry her. At which point, the girl, the princess, rolls her eyes and says, oh my god, what a fucking idiot, this guy. It's If it wasn't for the mirror guy, they wouldn't have even known that she was in trouble. Obviously, he should be the one to marry her. That's So she agrees with you. Mm -hmm. Not for the same Different reasons, reasons yeah. but still, she agrees with you about the guy. I'm trying to get to their character. I'm less worried about, like, the magic gifts. I'm, I'm trying to figure out which mm. of these guys is going to be a respectful, supportive, you know, I do get her, partner. I do get her argument of, like, the, they would not, they would have just taken their sweet-ass time and probably fought the entire way if the mirror guy wasn't like, sure. I need to tell my brothers this is happening. He didn't have to tell them. Yeah. Anyway, so when she had spoken, the young man says, 
Oh, your breath stinks, girl. Did you eat a dead animal? He actually says this. He says, ugh, you have a terrible odor coming out of your mouth. Hey, uh, fuck you, guy. So he throws a sofa cover. <laughs> Why don't you go on a magic quest to go fuck yourself? <laughs> <laughs> go down that road and go fuck yourself. <laughs> so he throws a sofa cover over his head to avoid her terrible breath. And that's the end of the first night. He hides from her. So the judges who were watching are shocked. She had never spoken in her whole life. This was insane news. But they decided to wait another day. Because remember, he has three days. They're like, let's wait another day to see if it happens again before we tell the king. So the judges leave for the night. What? And they are just here sleeping in the same room, I guess? This is not explained. Um, Mm. The boy pretends to be asleep. And the princess sneaks over to the candlestick. And she tries to talk to it. And she says, peace be upon you, royal candlestick. (laughs) And it doesn't answer her. And she's like, huh, I said peace be upon you, royal candlestick. And it doesn't answer. And she's like, you fucking idiot. And she destroys it in a rage. She just snaps it in a million pieces. Whoa. (laughs) And then she goes to sleep. So the next morning, the boy sneaks over and he takes out the box and he asks the uh, tiny butler, where should I put you next? And tiny butler says, put me under a chair. (laughs) And the boy's like, oh, okay. You're the expert. (laughs) And so the day goes just the same. She refuses to speak to him. So he asks the chair to tell him a story since she's being super rude. And this is the story tiny butler tells him. Three men are traveling together. A carpenter, a tailor, and a sheik. Is it sheik or sheik? I think it's sheik. Mm-hmm. Uh, a carpenter, a tailor, and a sheik. And then they say, quote, an ustaz, a religious savant. Mm. So that's what that is. They stopped to sleep for the night, and they divided the night into three watch shifts. The first watch was the carpenter. He finds a piece of wood, and he begins to whittle. <laughs> Which Max knows a lot about as of two days ago. I learned how to whittle. And she made a tiny little snake creature. I pretty cute. taught myself to whittle. You can't hear the air quotes that I'm doing. but uh, I, <laughs> I think they could hear the air quotes. I didn't uh, look up how to whittle. I just took a knife and started cutting some wood. And she got a cute little beast. Yeah, I made a little sea monster. <laughs> Pictures to come soon when she finishes it. Yeah. So the first watch was the carpenter. He finds a piece of wood and he begins to whittle. And by midnight, he had carved the figure of a beautiful woman. The next watch was the tailor, and he finds the woman naked, and he is scandalized, so he makes her a pretty dress. He, like, takes out his little portable sewing machine and everything. (laughs) So the final watch was the sheikh, who found a beautiful woman in a beautiful gown, but with no soul. So he prays to God to give her a soul, and his prayers are answered. So by the time the other two wake up, the woman was alive and beautiful, and they all immediately began to fight and argue over who's going to get to marry her. I fucking hate men. (laughs) Yeah. So the uh, candlestick asks the boy who he thinks should be allowed to marry her. And he chooses the sheikh. He's like, she wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for this guy. And the girl rolls her eyes and says, this fucking guy. Oh, my God. There would be. Wait, wait, Is it the carpenter? I think it should be the carpenter. Why? Because there wouldn't have been a woman in the first place. She says, this fucking guy, there would be no girl if the carpenter hadn't whittled her. (laughs) Obviously it's him. Oh my god. (laughs) You and this princess. Um, So the boy says, you still haven't brushed your teeth even after all the negging from last night? (laughs) You must be a fucking idiot. Take a tic-tac. Damn. (laughs) So uh, he's doing great. Sure. The judges run to the king at this point, and they're like, hey, your daughter spoke two nights in a row. And the king is and like... And also, she's stanky. <laughs> and also, she really needs some oral hygiene tips. <laughs> so the king is really surprised, and he tells them to be very watchful on the third night. 
Dude, can't you just, like, he already beat all of the other ones. That was, why are you, anyway. So, meanwhile, (laughs) it was bedtime, and they're still in the same room, apparently. The boy has pretended to go to sleep. The princess sneaks over to the chair, and she tries to speak to it. She says, royal chair, and it doesn't answer. And she says, honored chair. This reminds me (laughs) of Thor in the ship. Strongest Avenger. (laughs) And so, it doesn't answer again. And she says, our property. And it doesn't answer again. And she fucking destroys that chair. It ignores her rude ass and she kills it. (laughs) So the boy the next morning sneaks over, takes the box and asks it once more, where does it want to be hid next? And Tiny Butler says, in your turban. She can't destroy that. And I'm like, who says? Yes, she can. What? Who the fuck says he's in danger? (laughs) So... The boy the next morning greets her and she ignores him again. And he comments that she had broken the candlestick, had raged against the sofa. And now he only had his turban to talk to. Because apparently those are the only two things in the room. (laughs) And so he says, turban, tonight, let me put on a show for us. Really go all out. And really sexy women begin to slip out of his turban. (laughs) What? (laughs) Seven sexy fucking women. Normal sized? Yeah. Normal size? They just fucking c- climb right People out. size. Right out of his giant ass turban, I guess. Oh my god. Uh, and they start to dance all around. They shake their hips and they play the drums and the castanets. And he get, like they give him the bedroom eyes and he is delighted and rock hard. And at this point, the king's daughter throws herself at him. And he pushes her off saying, go away, dead tooth. I've got seven beautiful women here. And they all smell... Great. I don't even want you. And the girl stews in her own jealousy. And at this point, there's like some fucking parentheses that are like, and everyone, like all the people in the crowd that are listening to the story go, oh, she's jealous. (laughs) They have like the asides that the audience are doing while he's telling the story. And everyone's like, yes, this makes sense. Of course she's jealous. Poor dead tooth. So the judges run to the king and they say, oh, my God, king, you'll never guess what happened. And he's like, what? And they're like, oh, my God. Okay, so you know how you have that stupid daughter that doesn't talk? He's like, sure. Um, And they tell him everything. They're like, not only did she talk two days in a row, and there's, like, a magic fucking, like, candlestick and a magic chair. This guy is, like, fucking incredible. Also, now she's throwing herself at him. Like, she likes him so much. And the king is like, my daughter? Dead tooth? (laughs) She did that? So he's like, I have to see this. And when he rides at the room, he finds her naked. And he screams, I'm I'm pushing past that because there's no explanation. Mm, He screams, what are you doing, daughter? Oh, what is this? And she answers, quote, the whole world is like this. I haven't seen the world, nor have I entered it yet. Which I think is like, we haven't fucked yet. (laughs) What? Yeah, that's that's her last thing that she says. Um, and the king orders celebrations, and they have a beautiful wedding party, and the boy takes over the kingdom, and everyone lives happily ever after. And this story and a couple more like it end with, quote, and I was there and just returned. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and you know it's true, because I just came from I there, I just actually. came from that party. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I... I made my loudest noise when he comes in and just finds her naked, and I'm like, oh, God, what? Why? Where are all the sexy dancing ladies? Where's anyone <laughs> what's that i didn't understand the end of that no all. there's no and there's no way to really understand the end of that it feels like it feels like you know in a movie when there's like a contract that's like hey you have to be topless in this movie or whatever it feels like that kind of yeah where it's like there has to be an, there has to be a <laughs> naked woman in the a story. naked woman and it has to be this this woman who like everyone's like i 
Also, they leave her alone so much with this guy. I'm like, have they been doing that with all the guys that have their heads up on the walls? What the fuck? No wonder she's not talking to anyone. I'd be pissed. Yeah, for sure. And also, they also have they to... never address the the t- the tooth thing, the the bad breath. No, they don't. And I'm wondering if that was like he was teasing her. Yeah, I like I want like they make he makes a big deal out of it, but I wonder if he was like being funny. Like, or if that's just, like, when you're telling... <laughs> if you have to wonder, he's not. <laughs> he's not. But no, but I wonder if, like, when you're telling the story... Okay, so something I noticed about a lot of these stories, they're told by primarily Egyptian men in the 1960s. Mm. They are heavily misogynistic. <laughs> they sure. are hard. I read a couple before I came upon this one, which was, like, the, the least problematic one I could find. And what's nice about this, too, though, is Hassan and al-Shami makes a note every time. I love this guy. Like, he makes such... De- He's like Chenga in how he introduces his tales. He gives you exactly who told them, where they were at, what their life stories were born. Like, you know everything about them, so you have the context of, like, they got this from their grandfather. Their grandfather lived in this area. That's why you're going to see some themes that are extremely, like, strict. Like, they have extremely strict guidelines, which you're not going to see when somebody else in the story comes in. Or, like, this area, this nation was, con- like, in conflict with this nation at the time this person was telling the story. So it's going to seem real racist. <laughs> but guess what? <laughs> that was the time that they were in when they were telling it. And so, like, you get Egyptian history and you get, like, the significance of certain things in each story, like, he introduces them really well. I really appreciated it. And he mentioned in this story, like, (sighs) (laughs) guys. And again, it's the least problematic one I had against women, so. Wild. She also makes a point to say, I think when she says, the whole world is like this, I I haven't seen the world and I have not entered it yet. I think that was her being like, but don't worry, I'm still a virgin. Because that's the only way that you can have a nice wedding at the end of this, is if she's like naked, but not like sullied. But why was she naked in the first place? I think because she was jealous. I think it's implying that she took off her own clothes. Ah. Yeah. Weird. Wild story, though. The games people play. The games people play. My goodness. <laughs> Just fuck. <laughs> no. Just no, fuck each other. Just fuck each other. Yeah. So that's an Egyptian tale. I'm going to read a couple more. Yeah. Yeah. And get a, a good view of this book, but I'm happy to have the book. And I really like Hassan M. El Shami. That's very cool. I yeah. really, I love when folklorists do that, uh, like, very thorough introduction mm-hmm. of like where this story comes from and like what circumstances someone is telling it in because also i mean we tell stories on this podcast that's literally what it is mm-hmm. and i feel like if we were to tell the same story again it wouldn't be exactly the same no and so i think acknowledging the circumstances in which a story is told is a big part of that ethical storytelling and that ethical folklorism it is also it's important to note too and again he's acknowledging in the 60s mm-hmm. when a story is particularly problematic Right, where he's like, listen, this is where I heard it from. This is the stuff. This is the theme you're going to see. But he also mentions in his foreword, nobody was interested in cataloging Egyptian folklore. He was like, it was just going to be lost. Like, so guess what? I'm including all the fucking stories that I can. Like, this is, he's like, I have a bunch more. These are the ones picked out of there that I thought had the best themes. And there's repeated themes and other ones that I left in the f- files and stuff. But this is them. So you, you're going to have to take what I'm giving you. <laughs> Yeah. And he keeps in the little asides and he keeps in the weird little flavor of each person that are there. Like he's directly translating. He is not trying to change it to be more palatable. And I appreciate that. 
That's very cool. I don't mind it when they're that problematic, when it's obvious that the person who's editing it understands that and has a reason for it. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's very fun. Anyway, it's Folk Tales of Egypt. Very cool. Yeah. You want to take a quick break? I do. Okay. See you in a second, gang. Bye, tiny butler. <laughs> All right, Janie. All right, Max. The story I got for you today, you you know a little bit about it already, which is why I'm telling it. I don't know a whole lot about it. I yes. know that you keep talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'll just go fuck myself. <laughs> so the story I brought to you today is called Dapplegrim. The reason I wanted to tell this story is because I am very into this actual play D&D show called Dimension 20, which you can find on the Dropout Network, and a couple of the seasons are on YouTube. It's this amazing group of comedians and improvisers who all play D&D together, and it's super fun and super good. They are coming out with a new season with a new story that is called Never After. And in one of the behind the scenes previous to the season launching, the game master, uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan, Mm. who, just the best. Yeah. (laughs) He was asked, like, what is... He's, like, Max's favorite person. Yeah. (laughs) It's, frankly, embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) He mentioned that one of the stories that he kind of was inspired by as he was creating this story, this this season, which is, like, a fairy tale horror kind of season, Mm -hmm. one of the things that he was inspired by as he was doing his research was the story of Dapplegrim, Mm. which is a... Norwegian folktale, mm-hmm. um, which I'm going to be telling to you today. Okay. Dapplegrim was first published in Norwegian in Norske Folkeventer by Peter Christensen Asbjørnsen and Jorge Moy. Sure, sure, sure. In 1841? Or, or 91. 1841. Let's say that. <laughs> it was later republished in English by our old frenemy, Andrew Lang. <laughs> in... You mean his wife? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might have been published by Andrew Lang. Yeah. I'll give him that. Uh, Andrew Lang's Fairy Books of Many Colors are a great resource where he collects a bunch of different fairy tales and folk tales from a huge pool of different cultures and everything. Very, very cool. A lot of the stories that we find, it turns out after we found them through other means that at one point or another they were in Andrew Lang's Fairy Books of Many Colors. Uh, So this uh, happened to be in the Red Fairy Book, which is Mm. one of his Books of Many Colors. We also Um, found out... The reason why we don't love Andrew Lang is because... He had all these stories, but all of them were translated by his wife, who was, like, a linguist and a researcher. And so she did, like, most of the work and is never credited. (laughs) Yeah, and that was something Max found out as, like, a fucking aside. Like, that's the episode, uh, it's called What the Fuck Andrew Lang. Like, we we railed against him. Like, we were so mad. So, um, yeah, just, like, you know, taking credit for women's works. Pretty... Pretty shitty. Pretty shitty. Uh, that said, Andrew Lang's Fairy Books of Many Colors are an amazing mm-hmm. resource mm-hmm. With, a, with a bunch of really cool stories in it. Yeah. We acknowledge now every time. Yes. That <laughs> we are probably reading his wife's work. Yes. So this is for you, Mrs. Lang. Here's to you, Mrs. Andrew Lang. <laughs> Wish we knew your name and that's our bad. <laughs> um, so the story of Dapplegrim. This one's fucked up. I'm so excited. It's a cool ass name. This is... Content warning at the beginning for animal murder. Yeah. And also just general nastiness. Okay. Just so you know. And also some of this doesn't make sense. Uh, (laughs) Okay, but like, that's unfair because I gave you a story that made perfect sense. (laughs) Why not have the same respect for me? (laughs) As always, without discussing it, 
first, we have stories that have a lot of parallels. Oh my uh, god! Incidentally. How fun. So, Dapplegrim. Okay. Once, there was a very wealthy couple, and they had 12 sons. They all, you know, they reach their coming of age, and they go out into the world, Mm -hmm. uh, until finally the youngest son has reached an age where it is time for him to go off and make his way. His parents are... They beg him not to go. They're like, we love you. You don't need to leave. It's okay. Like, you can just hang out with us. Huh. Yeah. Parallels. Whoa. Weird parallels. Yeah. You know, we would we would rather have you just here at home. And he's like, no, I have to go make my fortune. And they're like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a hundred pounds and a necklace. <laughs> <laughs> so, this youngest brother, uh, this is the main character of the story who is not named. Mm-hmm. Just so you know. Uh, okay. So, I'm going to say the youth or the young man. Okay. <laughs> And that's him. Cool. The young man goes and he leaves home with everything that he needs for his travels. And he walks and he walks for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. An indeterminate amount of time until okay. he reaches a castle. And then he goes into the castle and says, hello, here I am. I would like a job. Yeah. And they're like, great, here's a job. <sighs> Must be fucking nice. Things were so simple. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, in order for us to get employed, we need five years of experience in order to be entry level and <laughs> start out the base salary. Uh, I have complaints, but that's okay. neither here nor there. <laughs> Let's just go to the president and be like, hire me. <laughs> Hello, king of this country. <laughs> um, so he goes into the king's palace and he's like, I would like a job. And they were like, here you are, one job. And he's like, thank you for the job. <laughs> so now he works in the castle. It quickly becomes clear that this castle has like one topic on everyone's minds, like a little bit of hot goss that's going on. Okay. The king's daughter, the princess, yeah. has recently been kidnapped <gasps> by a troll. What? <laughs> She has been swept away by a troll and brought into the mountains where no man may enter. And there's no hope of her return. Maybe she likes it. Maybe she <laughs> went with the troll willingly. Nobody wants yeah, to talk about that. Maybe it's a like a peach like a and Shrek. Bowser. Oh. It's like a peach and Bowser. <laughs> the cool one. <laughs> <laughs> so she is trapped far away in this mountain by the troll. The king has offered that anyone who can rescue her and bring her home mm-hmm. will have half of his kingdom, half of his wealth, and his daughter's hand in marriage. Okay, we always get these, but half of his kingdom, half of his wealth always sounds like he's like, and half of my heart, and now we are married. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> Come on. Um, so people go off, they try to save the princess, and mm, none of them comes back. Yeah. Uh, you know, trolls, mountains, yeah, etc. classic trolls. Um, so the youth is like, hmm, interesting, good to know, and then continues doing his job at the castle mm-hmm. for about a year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not in any hurry. Yeah, it's a weird and boring and realistic story. He is working in his castle job for about a, a year, and then he asks the king leave to go home and visit his family and share with them how successful he is at his castle job, which, again, not clear what he does. He's a tiny but he's been doing butler. it. <laughs> So he gets the king's leave to go back and visit his his family. He goes back home and he finds that while he was away, his parents have passed away. No. In and, one year, both of them? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and in the meantime, all of his brothers have split the inheritance. Uh, <gasps> without him? Without him. And he's like, hey, pretty sure I was supposed to get some of that inheritance. And they were like, well, you never write. You never call. <laughs> we assumed you were dead. <laughs> so... He's like, okay, well, I'm not, so I would like some of the inheritance. Yeah. And they're like, well, we kind of already split it up, so no. it's not like we're going to, like, re-split it. 
But you there all is, owe me some money. Yeah. Um, but there's one thing that we kind of had, hadn't decided what to do with yet. You know, mom and dad had those 12 horses up on the hill and we were talking about splitting them. You know, each of us gets one horse, but we hadn't decided yet. So if you won, your portion of the inheritance can be those 12 horses oh. up on the hill. And the youngest brother is like, well, fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not really fighting super hard for that one, but no. all right. He's got a nice job. So he goes up to the hill and all of these horses are mares. They mm-hmm. are yeah. lady horses. And so he goes up to kind of scope out the situation, see what it is that he's gotten himself into. And he sees these 12 mares, mm-hmm. all beautiful, very well cared for. And also, each of them has a little foal. So each Aww. of the 12 mares has 12 little foal babies. And also, there's another one. Mm. There's another little foal. One of kind of twins. Maybe. Okay. Except that this, like, weird 13th wheel foal <laughs> is... Gorgeous. Oh, he's like fatter than all the other uh, the other babies. Yeah, foals. <laughs> yeah, words. He's the fattest baby in the uh, land. <laughs> he's fat and silky and shiny, and he has the most beautiful coat of dapple gray. Mm. And he doesn't really look like any of the other horses. The rest of them are like very clearly healthy, happy horses. But this is like that's a good horse. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so the youth goes up to this little horse and he's like, well, you are a fine looking horse, aren't you? And this little foal is like, I am mm-hmm, super hot. But just imagine like, you know, I know you're probably going to like sell us off, breed us, like have more baby horses and stuff like that. But I'm really good. And I've only been getting one thirteenth or, yeah, 113th of the share mm-hmm. of the milk from these 12 mares, yeah. right? Math. Yeah. It's like, imagine how good of a horse I could be if I had, like, more milk. Like, if, <laughs> let's say, for example, content warning for very upsetting. Let's say, for example, you murder all 12 of the other foals. No. So that I get the milk from all 12 of the mares. Or you sell them. <laughs> or you sell those babies. <laughs> and the youngest brother is like... What if? Mm. Wouldn't that be crazy? I would love to see it. What an experiment. So he slaughters all 12 of the other foals. And Dapplegrim, uh, which is this little foal's name, Mm -hmm. is left to suckle all 12 mares. So the youngest brother goes back to the castle. He works for another year. And then he returns to the hill to see the progress of his horses, which he hasn't been doing Like, how did you... Never mind. No. (laughs) He comes back. He sees the 12 mares. And over the course of the past year, each of them has had another little foal. Okay. So there's 12 mares and 13 foals. And one of them is Dapplegrim. Yeah. And Dapplegrim has been suckling all 12 mares for an entire year. And he is the size of a full-grown horse. He is silky (laughs) and beautiful and, like, strong. Yeah. And all the other, like, foals, they're, like, healthy little foals, but nothing to compare (laughs) with Tablegram. And so the youngest brother is like, wow, you were right. Like, letting you have a bunch of extra nutrients was good for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you're probably the coolest horse that anyone has. So (laughs) I'm going to take you with me to court and show off my cool horse. And Dapplegram is like... Mm-hmm. Very interesting and cool idea. Counterpoint. Mm-hmm. What if... Oh, I mean, if this is what happens in one year... No! Imagine what would happen in another year. No. And the youngest brother's like, hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're a scientist at heart, and I appreciate that about you. 
Let's see. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> so the youngest brother, once again. The poor horses. Yeah. The poor moms. <laughs> I. Wait, hold on. Who's knocking these horses up? Mm. Who the fuck is mo- fucking these horses? This science is not a part of the story. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so he's like, interesting, interesting. Yeah, okay. So he kills all 12 of the foals and leaves only Dapplegram. And then he goes back to work for another year. (laughs) And he comes back and he finds these horses. And once again, all of the mares have had one foal over the course of the past year. And then there's Dapplegram. And Dapplegram is huge now. Mm -hmm. Just an impossibly large horse. The youth reaches up to kind of measure how big Dapplegram is. Yeah. And he can barely get his arms around this horse's neck. It's huge. Also, you're not supposed to drink milk. Like, uh, doesn't the horse stop drinking milk, like, pretty soon? <laughs> he's th- he's two years old. <laughs> like a full-grown horse. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, medical science does not factor into this. <laughs> okay. Um. So the youth comes back and he sees Dapplegrim is, is massive. And he's, like, scintillating. His coat is so healthy that it, like, bounces light off of it like a crystal. Mm. And he's like, there is no horse in this kingdom that looks better than you, Dapplegrim. Like, I really want to go and show you off to the king because I can't believe that I made such a good horse. (laughs) You did. (laughs) I mean, I guess he did murder for this horse. Mm -hmm. And then Dapplegrim is like, I do look great. No. No. What if I looked better? (laughs) No, Dapplegrim, no! (laughs) And the youth is like, say no more. Already on it. He's already strangling a fucking horse. (laughs) So he goes, he slaughters the remaining 12 foals once again, and he leaves for another year. The end of the year, he comes back, and each of the mares has now had another foal, and he sees Dapplegrim, and Dapplegrim is massive. He is, Dapplegrim is so big that when the youth tries to get on his back, Dapplegrim has to lay down, and the youth still has to get, like, a boost up to get on his back. (laughs) This horse is huge. And now his fur is so healthy. Do horses have fur? Horse hair. Horse hair? Maybe that's just coat? Coat. His coat. His coat. His coat is so healthy and silky that you can practically see a reflection in it. It's like a Mm. looking glass. It's, it is so beautiful. And he's just this beautiful, huge dapple gray horse. Yeah. And the youth is like, okay, I mean, come on. Like, you literally can't get any bigger or better. And Dapplegrim's like, you're right. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) These horses are safe for now. For now. So uh, the youth goes back to his 12 brothers. Yeah. And he's like, guess what, idiots? You thought you were screwing me over by giving me these horses, but now look at this horse that I have. (laughs) And they're like, holy shit, that horse is so good. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, he is. So I'll make you a deal. I will give you all 12 of the mares and their 12 colts, which this one used to be Mm -hmm. one of their colts, you know? I will give you all 12 mares and all 12 colts if you will give me the finest set of tack that you can find. The finest horseshoes, saddle, and bridle for my horse. Mm -hmm. And we'll do like a trade. And I think that's fair. And the brothers are like, yeah, absolutely. We want cool (laughs) horses. So the brothers go out and they get him these beautiful, like, gold burnished saddle and a gold bridle. And... Iron horseshoes that are so strong that when Dapplegrim steps, the rocks crush under his feet because he's so big and strong and these shoes are so good. Okay. So he's a Uh, real hot horse. A hot horse. (laughs) So uh, now that Dapplegrim is all kitted out, the youth and Dapplegrim go back to the king. And the youth is like, you know about that weird project I've been working on? And the (laughs) king's like, yeah, 
I don't know what it is or what's going on, but are you going to, I guess you're going to tell me now. And he's like, yeah, here's what I got going on. Bam. And he shows him <laughs> Dapplegrim, this huge, majestic, beautiful horse. Mm-hmm. And the king is like, that's the best fucking horse I've ever seen. And, and the youth is, is like, stupid. yeah. The king's going to be like, and that's my horse now. <laughs> why? Why? Keep this horse a secret. <laughs> well, the king is like, I am frankly honored to have this horse even near my castle. That's yeah. how good this horse is. Yeah. There's no horse in the world that is better than this horse. So even if you can just like have it here almost as like a tourist attraction, yeah. that would be great. And the youth is like, yes, that would be great. And then Dapplegrim leans in and he's like, hey, I need like the best place to stay though. Like, can you ask him <laughs> for like the best? And the, the the youth is like, hey, but like a horse of this caliber should stay in only the finest of accommodation. He's got to him sleeping in the king's bed with him. <laughs> Reading a paper like, oh, you know who died? The president. I don't know. <laughs> um, so the king sets up Dapplegrim in the stables where he's fed only the finest of oats and grains and everything. Yeah. He has like the best, clearest crystal water and everything. And he has dozens of stable hands taking care of only him. Dapplegrim is so big that all the other horses who were previously in this stable house mm-hmm. have to be kicked out. <laughs> because otherwise there's just not enough space for Dapplegrim. Mm-hmm. So all these horses get kicked out. And all the horses' owners are like, well, fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what am I supposed to do with my horse? Yeah. And everyone is very jealous of this youth who has this incredible horse and also, as a result, has gotten kind of cozy with the king. Yeah. You he's, know? he's in the bed, too, and now it's the three of them <laughs> reading, doing crossword puzzles. <laughs> so everyone is very jealous of this youth, especially the other horse owners. They hatch a plan, mm-hmm. and they go to the king, and they say, you know, I know that you love this this youth, but I think he's holding out on you because we heard him say that he could go and save the princess anytime. Mm, uh, he I just doesn't about feel her. like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a really uh, not subtle um, <laughs> story anchor that they put in the beginning there. Yeah. They were like, we heard that he said that he could get her anytime he wanted, but he just doesn't feel like it. <laughs> and that doesn't seem fair to you, my king. Yeah. <laughs> um, looking out for you. So the king summons the youth and he says, I heard that you said that you can rescue my daughter. And the youth is like, mm-hmm. I didn't. And the king is like, Oh, you didn't? Sure, I totally believe you. Listen, (laughs) my daughter's missing, kidnapped by a troll up in the mountains. You're going to go get her because you said you would and I don't believe you. And if you don't, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. (laughs) And the youth is like, that didn't happen. But the king, it falls upon deaf ears. The king doesn't care. He insists that the youth goes. So the youth is like, well, I'm fucked because nobody, like, all of these warriors have gone to go and save her and none of them have come back. And also, she's been gone for three years at this point? Four? Yeah, a long time. Who's to say that she's still alive? (laughs) Seriously. So the youth is like, well, I guess I'm just going to be executed because obviously (laughs) I can't save her. And he goes to Dapplegrim and he's like, oh, Dapplegrim, I'm so (laughs) sad. I'm going to get executed. And Dapplegrim's like, hey, man, listen. I'm such a good horse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I only did a little bit of fratricide. Yeah, but it was um, in, it was in uh, what is it called? In the name of progress? Yeah, in the name of gains. <laughs> gains, Gains baby. all day, bro. <laughs> um, and Dapplegrim's like, look, I think we can save her. I think we can do it. And the youth is like, you think we can do it? And Dapplegrim's like, yeah, man, I think we can do it. All He's right. like, you crazy son of a bitch. And <laughs> Dapplegrim's like, but wait, we're going to need some gear first. 
(laughs) (laughs) And so Dapplegram says that he needs 10 pounds of iron, Mm. 12 pounds of steel. He's going to forge these collected 22 pounds of metal into horseshoes. And he's going to need two blacksmiths to do it. One blacksmith to do the hammering Mm -hmm. and one blacksmith to do the holding of the horseshoes. Because that's how big and strong these horseshoes have to be. Yeah. In the story, it just says one smith to hammer and one smith to hold. Oh. So, um, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get married, but if I do, those will be my wedding vows. <laughs> I'm picturing the scene from Ghost, but in like a smithy. Yeah. <laughs> like hammering to, he's like behind two, like, the smithy. Impossibly dirty. <laughs> no, no, uh, you gotta blacksmith. let me show you how to do it. <laughs> I just, in, in my vows, it's gonna be to get the, whoever's doing the officiant, it's gonna be like, uh, to have and to hold, and it's gonna be like to hammer and hold. <laughs> it's more romantic this way. Shh, 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 shh. <laughs> to hammer and hold. <laughs> so the youth goes. He gets all of this metal, and he uh, hires two smiths to make some incredibly fine horseshoes mm-hmm. for Dapplegrim. Damn. And then Dapplegrim is shod with these incredible horseshoes. The youth gets on Dapplegrim and rides all the way to the troll's mountain, but immediately becomes clear why nobody has returned. The cliff face of the mountain is sheer. It is like a wall of glass. There is no place for purchase on this cliff face, uh, and it's just straight up and down. So it's like, how are you going to get up there, right? Sticky shoes. (laughs) You go up on your butt. I think you climb. You you get on your butt, and you use your sticky shoes to, like, walk yourself backwards, sliding on your butt until you get to the top. That's really good. I really like it. Sit on, uh, a little square, oh, skateboard. A <laughs> square with wheels. <laughs> a skateboard. And then just Not a like, square. <laughs> I know, because I was thinking of, uh, there's a thing that they have in PE classes. Oh, like the little scooters? Yeah, the scooters. Mm-hmm. Sit on a scooter with wheels and just go, whoop, all the way up. Mm, interesting, interesting, Sticky interesting. Shoes, Counterpoint. Yeah. Okay. Big old trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> that could also work. It's a little more risky, I feel. Or, or, you get a cannon. Mm-hmm. And a helmet. <laughs> or a, Shoot yourself up to the top of the mountain. I'm just saying that there are other solutions. Yeah, you know, there's a way to get up there. <laughs> a hammer, and you just break that glass. Princess <laughs> comes falling right down. Oh, it's not glass. It's just like glass. It's oh. like as smooth as glass. And can't you just take a little... You know how, like, mountain climbers have the little hammer, claw, hammer things, and they go... Mm-hmm. And just do that. I would pay... I'm going to say 17 US dollars to have you uh, <laughs> describe in real time what you think the contents are of a climber's pack. Okay. Just, I'll have, like, um, a layout of a climber's pack, and you have to name all of the things okay, that okay, are in okay, it. Okay, 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 hold on. <laughs> there's, like, the rectangular little grippy things that you put on the ropes, and then there's the um, claw hammers that you do that, and their shoes have the spikes, and there's a harness <laughs> and rope. And friends along the way. <laughs> and a dream. And a dream. So that'll be $17, please. <laughs> I want my money back. <laughs> so Dapplegrim's like, no worries, man. We can do this. And so the youth rides Dapplegrim to the base of the mountain and then up, a little ways up the side, just yeah. with like a, like force of momentum and everything. They get a little ways up the side, but then Dapplegrim's four legs slip oh. and they fall back down. Ow. Okay. And uh, the youth is like, all right, it's okay. We'll try again. It's fine. Dapplegrim is yeah, like, yeah, man. Yeah, we got this. We got this. And they <laughs> start riding up. They get further. But then, again, Dapplegrim's four legs slip and they tumble back down the mountain. And the youth is like, oh, 
man, are you okay? Like, <laughs> I don't know if we can do this. And Dapplegrim says, wait, I want to get this line right because it's badass. Dapplegrim says, why are you out of breath? <laughs> You're not the one that's running. Dapplegrim says, now we must show what we can do. And he like winds up. Hmm. And then runs all the way up the mountain oh. and gets to the top. Fuck, yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Fast and Furious, Dapplegrim! <laughs> um, so they get all the way up to the top, and Dapplegrim just keeps... What's the word when a horse is running? Galloping. <laughs> keeps trucking on. <laughs> uh, Dapplegrim just keeps galloping until they get to the place where the troll is holding the princess mm-hmm. in, like, a little crevasse in the top of the mountain and they ride through and then the youth just kind of like leans over the side of the saddle and like scoops her up with one hand onto the saddle without stopping and they keep galloping and the troll (laughs) is like and then oh she's gone okay well (laughs) and she's like okay yes and wait where the fuck am i (laughs) oh my god a horse <laughs> or a so, minivan <laughs> we're doing the splits on this horse <laughs> so the youth scoops up the princess puts her on the saddle and then they both ride on dapplegrim back to the kingdom however the youth has been gone for a while maybe even a couple of hours mm. <laughs> and in the meantime the king's advisors who are again very jealous of this youth who mm-hmm. has so much of the king's attention they've been Whispering poison in the king's ears. Oh my god, Dapplegrim's not even that great. In fact, I remember him being very small. (laughs) (laughs) So they have, in the period while the youth is gone, they have sort of turned the king against him. They're like, I mean, even if he does go and get her, like, who's to say he wasn't the one who tipped tipped the troll off in the first place? And like, all this stuff, they're like, I mean, can we trust him? Where did he come from? All this. So uh, by the time he gets back, the king is like, a little chilly towards him. He's like, oh, you've returned and I see you have my daughter. The youth is like, yes, I've brought my daughter, and now I would like my reward, please. Brought his daughter. Yeah, I've brought your daughter, and now I would like <laughs> I've reward. also brought my daughter. I don't know how to tell you this, but <laughs> she's yours. Oh, no. <laughs> um, it's all that bed sharing. Yeah. He's like, I would like my reward now, please. And, like, holds his hand. He gives, like, grabby hands. Mm-hmm. The king is like, I, you know, I would love to give you your reward, but... I just need you to do one thing first. And the youth is like, that wasn't the deal. That's not how this works. I saved the princess. Yeah. Now I get half the kingdom, half your wealth, and her or your hand in marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the king is like, listen, I mean, it's just like a little thing that I would like you to, I mean, like you've already proven that you can like save the princess. So I just need you to do like one other little thing. And the youth is like, okay, what is it? The king is like, I just need you to like make the sun shine in my castle. Now, the reason why the sun doesn't shine into the king's castle no is because there is a hill uh. that blocks the sun okay. uh, at every angle. And so there's never been a way to get, like, natural light in the castle. And it's <laughs> honestly all of the king's plants are dying. And, you know, like, <laughs> um, so the youth is like, well, there's a hill. And the king's like, mm-hmm. He's like, what am I supposed to do? And the king's like, mm-hmm. I guess you better figure it out, idiot. Mirrors. So, uh, yeah. See, there are a lot of really good solutions. Yeah. He doesn't come up with any of them. You scoot on your butt with sticky shoes. <laughs> and you go all the way to the mirror store. <laughs> <laughs> and so the youth goes to Dapplegrim and he's like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, I, we just spent all that time and all that effort for several hours going to get the princess. <laughs> <laughs> and now I have to do this other impossible task. And if I don't do it, then there's no reward at all. Dapplegrim's like... Don't worry, buddy. I know what we have to do. And the youth is like, tell me. 
Doppelgram's like, all right, here's what we need. Another 10 pounds of iron, <laughs> another 12 pounds of steel, and two smiths to have and to hold. Oh, to hammer and hold. <laughs> I need an, a fresh set of horseshoes since these ones got fucked up on the mountain. And then we'll be able to take care of this whole sun thing. And <laughs> the youth is like, all right, it'll be done. And he goes to the king and he's like, hey, since you want me to do this extra thing, uh, I just need this for like horseshoes. And the king's like, I guess I can't really say no because then it's like I'm not giving him a fair shot. Yeah. So this time the king has to pay for the new horseshoes and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's money sense right Make there. your boss pay. <laughs> so uh, by the way, I just really quickly have to put this in and we can race it later. But to hammer and hold till our embers grow cold, uh, excellent forge vows. <laughs> mm, that's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To hammer and hold till our embers grow cold. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so the king has now subsidized the cost of new horseshoes, which is great for the youth. Mm-hmm. So Dapplegrim gets his new horseshoes, and he rides off to the top of the hill. And mm. the youth is like, okay, but now what? And Dapplegrim's like, watch this. Oh, no. And he jumps up and down. No! <laughs> <laughs> Dapplegrim jumps up and down on the top of the hill, and with each time he lands... The hill is forced further into the earth. So he's just hammering this hill back into the (laughs) ground until it reaches a point that the sun can look over the hill and into the castle. I mean, fucking shit, Dabblegrim. (laughs) God damn. That's a hot horse. (laughs) That's a hot horse. Um, And so uh, the youth goes back to the king and he's like, I did your impossible task and now I would like one princess, please. And the king is like, okay, well... I appreciate it, and thank you so much. But also, I just feel like it would be really rude to, like, her, to me, to you, if you guys were to get married and you were to come in on this really cool horse and she would have just a regular horse. Oh! So before I give you her hand in marriage, how about you go and find a horse that's as good as Dapplegrim for her to ride into the wedding ceremony on? And the youth is like, there isn't a horse that's as good as Dapplegrim. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes him special. Yeah, and the king is like, not my problem. Go find a horse. Not my pig, not my farm. <laughs> not my horse, not my wedding. <laughs> um, so the youth goes to Dapplegrim and he's like, well, now I know this one's impossible. Mm-hmm. Because there's no horse anywhere that's as good as you, Dapplegrim. And Dapplegrim's like, thanks, man. I needed to hear that today. <laughs> but having a really bad day, my feet hurt a lot. <laughs> Um, a lot of climbing and running and jumping on hills. Also, this 10-pound iron. This is 20 pounds just on my front feet, man. Oh, <laughs> heavy. Horse legs are real skinny. Oh, no. <laughs> so, Dapplegram is like, hey, man, I really appreciate that. But that's not actually true. Hmm. There is one other horse that's as good of a horse as me. But he's not going to be easy to get to. Because this other horse, this... Dapplegrim 2, if you will, <laughs> is underground. <gasps> so it's going to be really hard to get to. That's oh, the thing. going to be blown away by all that sun. Um, <laughs> and the youth is like, well, how in the hell am I, are we going to get to him? And he's like, well, don't you worry about that. I'm just going to tell you what we need, right? Mm. So in order to do this, here's what we need. Oh, no. <laughs> 10 pounds of iron. Wow. <laughs> 12 pounds of steel. Two smiths to have and hold. To, ham- to hammer and hold. Till <laughs> til our, til our embers grow cold. <laughs> Um, also in addition to all these things to make me new horseshoes we're gonna need some other stuff we're gonna need 12 barrels of rye and corn and other grains you need to feed him yeah like like (laughs) like feed grain yeah basically 12 barrels of feed grain 
12 slaughtered oxen. Okay. And 12 ox hides that each have 1,200 spikes set into them. So they're like spiked hides. Metal as hell. Yeah. 12 ox hides with 1,200 spikes in each hide and a barrel of tar. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you saying that's so unsure? Because I wrote this in a really confusing way. Uh, And a barrel of tar that holds 12 tons of tar. Okay. So we need... Meat, we need suits, we need tar, we need grain, yeah. and then I also need new shoes. Ah, <laughs> oh, same. <laughs> and the youth goes to the king and is like, hey, if you want me to do this, here's what I need. And the king's like, fine. <laughs> he gets all this stuff for Dapplegrim. The youth rides off on Dapplegrim, and Dapplegrim is leading the way to where this Dapplegrim 2 is. Okay. They ride for a little while, and Dapplegrim goes to the youth and he says, can you hear anything? Uh, and the youth sort of sits up in the saddle and listens. And what he hears is a sound of whistling in the air. Mm-hmm. Kind of like like a combination of like when an arrow whizzes past your head and Ooh. like the sound of birds. Okay. And he's like, I hear whistling in the air. And Dapplegrim is like, I'll tell you what that is. That's all the wild birds of the forest all out to stop us from getting to this other horse. Oh, fuck. And so See, that's the horse's deviated septum. <laughs> <laughs> That's my gusty butthole. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to know if you heard it too. (laughs) So Dapplegrim is like, all of these wild birds of the forest are going to try and stop us from getting to this horse. And the youth is like, well, that's terrifying. That's a lot of birds. (laughs) And Dapplegrim's like, don't worry, we're prepared for this. And he tells him to take, poke holes in each of the sacks of grain. And then they drag the grain sacks behind them, trailing grain. Uh, and so the birds who are on their way to come in and attack Dapplegrim and the youth are distracted by all of this fresh grain mm. laid out in the forest. And so they're completely distracted, forget what they're doing, mm-hmm. sit down, have lunch. Yeah. They ride on for a little while and Dapplegrim's like, what do you hear? And the youth listens again. And what he hears is a sound of like cracking and crashing in the woods. Like someone is running through the woods. Like a lot of someone's are mm-hmm. running through the woods. And he tells Dapplegrim, and Dapplegrim says, yeah, that's all the wild beasts of the forest all come to stop us. <laughs> oh, no. And the youth is like, oh, so we die now, is what happened. <laughs> and Dapplegrim's like, no, we're prepared for this. Take the 12 slaughtered oxen, throw them behind us, and the beast will be distracted. So the youth throws the 12 slaughtered oxen carcasses behind no. Dapplegrim and all of the beasts of the forest are distracted by all of this fresh and available meat. Mm-hmm. And so they're totally distracted, forget what they're doing, and leave Dapplegrim and the youth to continue on. Yeah. A little while passes and once again Dapplegrim says, do you hear anything? And the youth listens and he says he hears a neighing like mm. really far away. He's like, I think I hear like a foal somewhere far, like maybe Aww. in trouble or something. And Dapplegrim's like, it's a lot farther than you think. And the fact that the sound is traveling this far means that it's got to be a fully grown horse. Oh. And the youth is like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so they keep riding. Eventually, they hear a second neigh. And Dapplegrim is like, it, it's much louder. It's very clearly an adult horse yeah. now. Dapplegrim's like, keep listening because we're getting closer. Mm-hmm. Finally... A little while goes on and the youth hears a third neigh, but this time it is very close at hand and it is so loud. It is, it's coming from the other side of a hill and it's so loud that the youth thinks that the hill will shake apart into stones. It is so like loud and thundering and close at hand. Dapplegrim's like, all right, we're here. Here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. 
First, I want you to throw the spiked ox hides over me, Dapplegrim. Um, and then take the 12 tons of tar, throw them into this field that we're coming into. Mm-hmm. Then I want you to go and run up that tree and hide <laughs> so that you don't die. So he points at this huge uh, spruce pine tree mm-hmm. and is like, go up there yeah. and I will handle the rest. When this other horse comes in, he's going to be breathing fire. So oh, he'll shit. set the tar on fire and then he and I will do battle. Mm-hmm. If the flames get bigger, mm-hmm. it means that I am winning. If the flames get smaller, it means that he is winning and you have to run. <laughs> oh my god, so scary. So, the youth does all this. He throws the spiked ox hides over yeah. uh, Dapplegram with the spikes pointing out, kind of like armor. And he empties out the barrels of tar in the field. And meanwhile, he hears this thundering of hooves coming closer and closer towards them. And then he climbs as fast as he can up into the top of the tall tree. And Dapplegrim says, listen, if it comes to a point where I'm winning, what you need to do, take my bridle off of me right now. And then if it seems like I'm winning, throw my bridle bridle over him and he will immediately become completely gentle and tame. And then we'll be able to take him with us. So... The youth goes up in the tree with the bridle and he waits. Just at that moment, this horse comes in. It looks exactly like Dapplegrim, mm-hmm. except that it has flames coming out of its nostrils. <laughs> and it's very metal. It turns into the field and immediately all of the tar of the field catches. And it's just these two horses, like kung fu movie staring at each other (laughs) and then they run towards each other and begin to fight and Mm -hmm. it is a brutal fight these horses are biting each other and kicking and they're like grappling each other's necks and everything but dapplegrim has the advantage because he's covered in all these spikes Mm -hmm. so every time this horse tries to bite him he gets a mouthful of spikes so he stops that pretty quickly he can't hit him because every time he hits him he you know gets stabbed yeah (laughs) so the tide of the battle turns dapplegrim begins to win the flames um, get higher. Yeah, the flames get higher, and the youth jumps down out of the tree, and he uh, waits for the perfect moment, and he throws the bridle over this horse's head, and immediately this horse stops moving, mm-hmm. and the flames stop coming out of his nose, and his eyes just go wide, and he, like, just Aww. relaxes visibly. So can they never take the bridle off? Mm, unclear. Oh, God. Not explained. <laughs> okay. So they've now captured... This horse, Dapplegrim, too. Grappled him. <laughs> Grappled him. <laughs> so the youth rides on Grappled him, and Dapplegrim rides alongside all the way back to the castle, and he goes to the king, and he's like, Hey, king, so I've completed your task, but here's what I want you to do for me. Mm-hmm. If you can tell me which one of these horses is Dapplegrim and which one isn't, which one is the horse that I've just gone and gotten. Mm-hmm. Like if you can find anything about them that is different, that might indicate that they are not equal and therefore satisfy the terms of our deal. Mm-hmm. If you can't find anything, then your daughter and I have to be married. And the king is like, all right, sure. And then he takes a close look at Dapplegrim and this other horse, this grappled him. <laughs> and he looks over every hair, every inch of these horses, and he can't tell any difference. And he's mm-hmm. like, well... I guess this horse is as good as Dapplegram. <laughs> so you can, uh, I give you my permission to marry my daughter, but. No, no, <laughs> goddamn king. He's like, but in order to prove that this is truly like what destiny is deserved by you both, there's one more trial. The princess will hide twice and mm. you have to go find her. You'll find her both times. And then you have to hide twice and she can't find you either time. If she finds mm. you, 
all bets are off. If you can't find her, all bets are off. Okay. You know? And the youth is like, I mean, I fine, I guess. Just, this is just the premise of the movie <laughs> Hide and Seek. <laughs> so the princess goes and hides. And she hides by turning into a duck. Okay. And okay. she goes out on the pond by the castle with a bunch of other ducks and, like, hangs out as a duck on the pond. Yeah. What a dream. And uh, the youth looks for her everywhere, can't find her because she's a duck. And <laughs> that, those rules weren't explained to him. <laughs> no. So he goes to Dapplegrim and he's like, I have no idea where she is and I'm going to lose. And, like, all of this will have been for nothing. And Dapplegrim's like, don't worry. Take this rifle. No! <laughs> <laughs> it's like take this rifle and pretend as if you're going to shoot that one duck right in the middle of the pond uh, and then she'll be forced to reveal herself so the youth goes out and he's like oh I'm having such a good time with all of this hiding and seeking but I'm going to take a quick break and just you know see if I can shoot myself some lunch so I'm going to I'm just going to I'm just going to shoot this duck on the pond over here. Oh, my God. And he, like, cocks the rifle and, like, aims at this duck. And the duck turns back into the princess. And she's like, oh, shit, no, please don't shoot. It's <laughs> ah! me and, and not a duck. sinks into the water. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, hooray, I found you. Um, they return to the castle. And she's traumatized. She has to, yeah, and she has to hide again. She's just had a gun pulled on her. Yeah. <laughs> this is no longer a fun game of hide and seek. <laughs> And then she hides again. This time she turns herself into a loaf of bread. Yeah. And she hides herself on the banquet Inside table. Inside the ducks. <laughs> Seems like a separate issue. <laughs> uh, she hides herself on the banquet table among these three other loaves of bread. Yeah. That she's like identical to. And she's like, no, he'll never find me. But she says it as bread. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the youth looks and looks, can't find her. Goes to Dapplegram and is like, I, I still can't find her. Like, I shot all the ducks and none of them are her. Oh, my God. That's not in the story. Okay. I just assume. <laughs> and Dapplegram's like, don't worry. Mm. I want you to go into the banquet hall mm -hmm. and take the bread knife and sharpen it and then make as if to cut the third loaf of bread from the right. <laughs> uh, and be like, mm, hungry. So the, <laughs> so the youth goes into the banquet hall and he gets his big old bread knife out. And he's like, mm, can't wait to have some delicious bread and he like lowers the knife towards the loaf of bread and he's like this one looks particularly delicious for me to slice <laughs> and uh <laughs> uh the princess who is a loaf of bread, bread turns into a princess who isn't bread again and is like no don't it's me a princess and not bread <laughs> <laughs> so he's now found her twice but he still has to hide and so he goes to Dapplegrim and he's like, I don't know how to hide. I'm useless. I'm bad at everything. <laughs> Dapplegrim's like, don't worry. He tells the youth to turn into a horse fly. So the what? youth turns into a horse. Not explained. Ha. Not explained. Um, I'm mad about it, but go ahead. <laughs> the youth turns into a horse fly and hides in Dapplegrim's nose. Oh, no. And so the princess looks all over the castle grounds, can't find him. Finally, she goes into Dapplegrim's stable, she's like, he loves this horse. He's probably going to be near the horse. Yeah. But she can't get close to Dapplegrim because he's, like, bucking and, like, stomping yeah. his hooves and, like, throwing his mane around and everything like that. So she looks around, looks around, can't find him, and she's like, fine, I give up. And so the youth, as a horsefly, comes out of Dapplegrim's nose and, like, turns back into himself and tumbles on the ground and is like, aha! <laughs> tricked ya! <laughs> and so he has to hide again. Yeah. goes to Dapplegrim and he's like, I still haven't come up with a hiding place. What should I do? Dapplegrim says to turn himself into a lump of dirt. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> See, he's doing less glamorous things than mm -hmm. she was. Yeah. 
So turn yourself into a piece of shit. Right? <laughs> Go into the toilet. <laughs> Make yourself into a nasty dookie. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to be my gusty butthole. <laughs> <laughs> so he turns himself into a little piece of dirt. Uh, he hides himself under da- Dapplegrim's hooves, like in his horseshoe. Uh, the princess looks everywhere, can't find him. And then she's like, well, he was in the stable before. Mm-hmm. So she goes and looks in the stable. And this time Dapplegrim was completely calm. Mm-hmm. She like inspects all over him and is like, well, I don't see it. And then she tries to look under his hooves and he just like stands there very firmly. <laughs> and she, he's, to- he's so big that she can't like lift his hooves or anything yeah. like that. So she's like, all right. I give up. Aww. And then the youth somersaults out from under <laughs> Dapplegrim's hooves and was like, aha, I've won. You're so, my wife. <laughs> he goes to the king and says, you can see, but it is fated that she should be mine. Mm-hmm. And the king says, yes, fated it is. So what must be, must be. Okay, sarah, sarah. And then they get married on the horses. Aw, and then they consummate the marriage on the horses. Mm. <laughs> and then they Gross. buy a house on the horses. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the story. It's really nice. That, yeah, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I mean, the rough beginning of murdering baby horses. So many baby horses. 24 baby horses. It's also, like, the further it goes, it's like, oh, the advisors turn the king against him and everything. But also, like, especially towards the end, he's like, uh, maybe... Like, my pr- the princess has to hide or something like that. Like, it seems like he's getting more and more desperate to not have this kid marry his yeah, daughter. He really doesn't want this kid to yeah. marry his daughter. And she doesn't seem to want to marry him either. Yeah. So, like, it, especially, like, yes, fated it is. So what must be, must be. is like, oh, uh, you beat me. I guess. <laughs> like, it just seems very, uh, like, not, not a happy marriage. Well, it feels a little bit like you're worried about her later. Like, yeah. she went from one tr- I want to know. I want a story that's just her with the troll. Yeah. What was that about? What she was, was there for about? so long. So long. I want to know why trolls want princesses. That's in every story. Mm. What, what's so good about princesses? You know? <laughs> why doesn't it? Why don't any trolls want me? I'm a... How dare you? <laughs> I'm a princess. Um, so this story, Dapplegrim, is Arms Thompson Uther folklore type 531, The Clever Horse. Ooh. Which I think is also maybe the name of a Hallmark movie. <laughs> the Clever Horse. Yeah, it's the sequel to Black Beauty. <laughs> In some editions of this story, the youth, the main character, is named Boots. Oh, For no apparent reason. Cute! <laughs> I didn't find that out until after I had already written everything down, and I was like, I'm not going back and changing it all to say Boots, because that's boots. dumb. <laughs> and also, uh, in the original Norwegian, Dapplegrim mm-hmm. is the English version of his name. His original Norwegian name is Grimsborken. Graham's Borken. It's really hard to think he's cool. Yeah. When he sounds like he's a word being spoken by the Swedish chef. Swedish chef. Swedish, the Swedish chef. <laughs> um, Fantastic. Thanks. So the D&D campaign is about this horse? No. So Never After uh, through Dimension 20 is a new scene. It's ongoing. The first episode came out last week as we're recording this. Two weeks ago as it's coming out. And uh, it comes out one episode per week. They're about an hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. The D&D campaign, the main characters are, like, classic fairy tale characters. Mm-hmm. And they exist in, like, a world that kind of combines a bunch of different fairy tales. So um, the reason why this story came up was because it was something, like, what Brandon Lee Mulligan was talking about was he was like, this is, it's a fairly normal fairy tale. Except that it starts off with murdering, like, 
40 horses yeah. <laughs> for, like, very little reason, you know? Yeah, so, like, you like, could have just sold them. <laughs> yeah, the idea of, like, this, like, almost mindless brutality. He was like, this is something that is prevalent in a lot of fairy tales. This is something that you can see in a lot of different places in fairy tales where these things are kind of tossed out as, like, just crimes. <laughs> and, yeah. like, and that's what has to happen. Well, remember, um, uh, was it Molly, it was Molly Whoopi, where mm-hmm. the premise of that story is she got an ogre to, or a giant to kill, like, slaughter all three of his little daughters. Yes. Like, it's, it's, and that's not what the story's about. <laughs> yeah, it's like all of these, like, peripheral atrocities. Yeah. In fairy tales. And talking about, like, how easily that kind of fairy tale, and, like, the Grimm stories, obviously, but also global fairy tales and things like that how they lend themselves to the horror genre so the plot of the dnt campaign is these are all the one of the characters is mother goose mm-hmm. um one of them is little red riding hood who is very cool mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one of them is the frog prince mm-hmm. uh like there are all these classic fairy tale characters that are all playing together and i've only only the first episode has come out so we don't know much about the plot yet but it's the basic concept is that there are all these fairy tale realms that are all like right next to each other that are all being overtaken by evil like mm-hmm. the bad things in fairy tales it's kind of like um in the never ending story like the nothing yeah like all of these things have gone wrong in every fairy tale kingdom that has brought them to ruin so that's kind of where we're at as of the first episode i linked in the show show notes to the trailer for this season very cool um if you're into D actual play you've probably already watched all of dimension 20 but if that seems like something that you'd be into you should check it out and yeah. also as someone who doesn't like math or um have patience for people talking about numbers you don't have to worry about that <laughs> if that's something that you are worried about in listening to D, it's not like that so I feel like you just said that directly to me. <laughs> I did. I was very carefully you not, are not looking, looking you in the eyes. <laughs> but like a hundred percent, that is the reasons I've given you for why I will never be into D anD. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly just improv, um, yeah. which is really fun, and they are so funny and so cool. And they it's are very, very cool. funny. So they have a bunch of other stuff on the Dropout Network that's not D anD. D as well, which I enjoy immensely. As somebody who doesn't like D anD. D, these are the funniest people alive. Yeah, and it's a really good network, and you should just go subscribe to it. Just do it. Yeah, this isn't sponsored content in no. any way. Shape. I mean, it could be. Hello, Sam Reich, can you please just hire us? We're really cool and we Sam. have a pink microphone now. <laughs> Sam, we've been here the whole time. <laughs> Sam, we've been here the whole time. And also, you are here. <laughs> um, uh, this isn't sponsored content whatsoever, but the Dropout Network is cheaper than Netflix and a thousand times better. And all of their shows are absolutely genius. And it's like yeah. hundreds, thousands of hours of really just amazing content. So, yeah, it's really good. Uh, check that out. Also, their stuff is, a lot of their stuff is on YouTube, so before you dive in, feel free to check it out. There's some really fun stuff. Check and out. follow them on TikTok. Yeah. Sam um, Reich and the Dropout Network and Game Changers and just a bunch of cool stuff. Yeah, Game Changers is a game show where the game changes every show and they don't know what the show what the game is. Yeah. Which is really fun. It's, uh, it's funny. You could tell these people just love each other and are also hilarious. Yeah, yeah Um Actually is a trivia show. Uh, Dirty Laundry is kind of like a like a sleepover game that's been made into a game show. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of really cool stuff. So check it out. Um, there's a link to that Never After the New Season trailer in the description. Mm-hmm. And yeah. They used to be part of College Humor. Yes. Mm-hmm. So like if, if you liked College Humor stuff, this is 10 times better. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, guys, thanks for hanging out. Episode 60 is coming up. We hope you're pumped because we are pumped. Uh, <laughs> and scared. And scared. <laughs> if you like this, go follow us on Instagram and TikTok and 
Twitter. We have a Goodreads so you can see all of these books. We have a bookshop.org affiliate account if you want to buy any of these books like Folk Tales of Egypt or any of the Andrew Lang fairy tales. They're all up there. Uh, and we've linked them into this, into our show notes. Mm-hmm. You we, can also check out our website and we have a link tree. We got all kinds of stuff. Yeah, oh, our website is www.sortofthestory.com. Also, come hang out with us on Discord, where we hang out with you. The Discord <laughs> is very fun. And right now it's a small group and it feels like just a group chat with all of our friends. If you want to be part of that, we are pretty active on it, I would say, because the people on the Discord are pretty active on it. Mm -hmm. Um, They bullied me. I gave them a picture of my beautiful microphone and immediately got bullied into naming her St. Olga of Kiev, patron saint of vengeance. And every time I tried to call her Olga, they yelled at me to say their full name. So uh, her name is Olga, but her real name is St. Olga of Kiev, patron saint of vengeance. It's so long. (laughs) So just so you know. The accusations of bullying are greatly overblown. I was cyber-bullied, and I will be filing a report specifically against Trace. Okay, Trace. Uh, Guys, thank you for hanging out with us. Also, if you liked this, please leave us a review. Five stars, preferably. You know, nothing lower than five. Um, If you can find a way to give us a six-star review, do it. If you thought that this wasn't worth five stars, then why don't you keep your opinion to yourself and get out of here? Yeah, what the hell? We gave you a hot, hot horse. Um, okay, and with that, uh, we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye! On episode 69, I think... <laughs> stop, stop me if this sounds too good. We should each watch a porn <laughs> and then retell each other the porn. That sounds bad. <laughs> it, what? No, it sounds good. You're all turned around. Like Not that yet. porn that I know. Ah. <laughs> Be really weird, and then the clown walks in and he says, Hong Kong, have I got a dick for you? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should write a board. I think like, you oh. should, and he should have one of those flowers that squirts water, but instead <laughs> squirts semen. <laughs> and that's how they do the, when he, the money show. When he ejaculates, it's like a honka honka, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a spicy cream pie. <laughs> <laughs> This is bad. We can't. We no, that's not the one. Sure is anyone. <laughs> the world's this is not shameful. ready. <laughs>